Welcome to the Lulu Logic Podcast. I'm Nick Lewis, and I'm your host. Thank you for coming back once again. Another great guest today. Can't wait to share the stories of this great and talented athlete because he put it out there. And I always talk about greatness as being consistent. This dude is super consistent. He's someone that I not only looked up to and still look up to, but they compared me to him from the day I stepped on the field in Calgary. I know you're going to enjoy this interview. I enjoyed it because this was the first time I actually got to sit down, hear his story, and hear his journey to the top. This is the Lulu Logic Podcast. Today's guest is from Oceanside, California, and went to the University of Arizona before heading north to the Calgary Stampeders, Edmonton Eskimos, Montreal Alouettes, and Hamilton Ticats. He finished a seven-time CFL All-Star, two-time Grey Cup champ, fourth on the all-time receiving yards list with 13,746 yards, was the first receiver to go over 1,000 catches in their career in the CFL, finishing with 1,006. He has the record for most straight 1,000-yard seasons with 11 and was inducted into the 2011 CFL Hall of Fame. Welcome to the show, Terry Vaughn. Thanks for having me, Nick. That sounds good, man. When's the last time you heard all that? It's been a while. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what? It's funny. Uh, I've never uh, I've been a person that pats himself on the back. So, um, you know, I, I I never say those things out, out loud, I guess, you know. Um, usually uh, friends or family uh, give me compliments and stuff in regards to that, but, you know, uh, I've never kind of boasted about it. Has the kids ever watched you play? Do you ever go back and show them film or? Um, let's see. My younger daughter, um, or my oldest daughter, uh, she saw me play. Um, and uh, our middle ch child saw me play. Um, but they were, you know, four or five. Yeah. You know, uh, my son, he's never seen me play. So he was an infant at that time. Yeah, my daughter was two my last year in Montreal. So she'll, she'll never remember it. But then... Uh, sometimes when I come on TV or something, they put an old game on or something like that. She'd be like, there's daddy. So at least you can recognize me out there. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. My kids, uh, um, uh, my son in particular, uh, he asks me a lot of questions, but he's, you know, never seen, you know, remember seeing me play. <clears throat> yeah. That's if they, they got to know where it comes from though. That athletic ability, man, <laughs> get yeah. up there and scoot. <laughs> no, he, he he understands that part of it, you know. Um, and I explained to him, you know, because I played soccer as a kid, you know, like he he plays now. Um, and I was good at soccer. It just when I got to high school, it wasn't cool to play soccer anymore. Mm -hmm. um, for him, uh, that's the first sport I put him in with the emphasis. I probably – thought that he'd eventually play football it never occurred to me that he would fall in love with soccer <laughs> you know yeah. and that's kind of what happened with him so he's had some success in soccer huh yeah he has um he's, he's a pretty good player 
um, size, speed, technical skills. Um, he has all that, you know, at a young age. And, you know, he's moving on to uh, try to further that. Mm, that's awesome. That's awesome. Hey. So, yeah, he's he plays competitive soccer, and he's doing a real good job. And how's that for you to see him go out there and compete and show signs of success early? Um, well, it's awesome. You know, I, uh, at an early age, you know, you know, you could tell he was an athlete, um, you know, but you don't know how good an athlete they're going to be, you know, and, uh, he, uh, definitely, you know, physically he's gifted, um, speed, size, agility. Um, you know, he has all those, uh, tools that you can't teach. And, uh, but he also has a work ethic along with it and uh, a will to get better. So, you know, I, I expect, you know, the things out of him, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll carry him a long way, you know, I think. <clears throat> yeah, you said y'all working out at five in the morning. How, how many days a week do y'all get up and go work out at five? Well, we, we uh, just started back because we uh, had two weeks off. Um, we took a, a full week off. And I was like, you ready to get back at it? He was like, yeah. So, um, you know, for the next six weeks, uh, five, six weeks, he'll have to report to Utah and uh, start, uh, uh, he'll be thrust right into it. You know, <laughs> his season will begin and they'll start training right away. So they got to be in tip, uh, tip top physical condition when they get there. It's, it's not a, they have to show up in shape. It's, yeah. you know, so, um, yeah, so that's what we're working on right now, getting them in shape and getting them ready. That does show commitment to wake up <clears throat> that early in the morning and, and go out there and get in the grind. And, um, you know, just to see, I've trained kids for 12 years now, and to see the commitment they show to work out at school, then to come work out with you and to do these things to – to better their lives and to better themselves. What's kind of, what's kind of some of his goals? Have y'all talked about some of his, like some of his goals of where he wants to do and. Well, he wants to uh, play internationally, uh, soccer internationally. That's his goal. He wants to play in the Premier League, Bundesliga, La Liga. Um, that's his goal. That's what he wants to do. Um, uh, He has the physical tools, you know, they can't, no one can teach you how to run and, yeah. you know, size and all that stuff. So he has those intangibles and stuff, but he has a lot of intangibles, his determination, the will to win, his work ethic. Um, but uh, he's technically skilled, you know, so he's worked on the soccer skills since he's been five years old, you know, since he started playing. And, uh, you know, he, he, has a, he has a bright future ahead of him if he can continue and uh, progressing and, you know, uh, uh, avoid the injuries and stuff like that. So It's got to be an exciting time for you, man. How was COVID? Well, it's fun to watch, you know. I can definitely say that. It uh, has been fun to watch, you know. Um, 
I've learned so much about soccer, things that I didn't know about. They do the way they do soccer and as opposed to football or baseball or basketball is completely different. You know, yeah. soccer, they sign these kids at 10, 11, 12 years old. Whereas, you know, <laughs> basketball, everything's done football, everything's done 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 through high school, you know, so it's a little bit different. Yeah, my sister plays college soccer, uh, right outside of Oklahoma City. Yeah. So yeah, I've I've always loved soccer. It was my first sport I played, and pretty sure your first sport. Now now kids are playing uh, flag football or touch football at five. But sure. when we were coming up, it was pretty much you started soccer, and then you progress on to football. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I've I've always loved soccer. Do you have a favorite team in the Premier League? Uh you know what? Um, I don't know if I necessarily have a favorite team. Uh, my son's team is Liverpool, um, but mm. I like watching. Congrats! Tell him congrats. But I like watching certain players play. You know, yeah, um, you know, I like watching Messi, Ronaldo, Salah. Uh, you know, so I like watching certain players. Yeah, my team's Chelsea. Mm -hmm. We got a young American, Pulisic. He's out there making some yeah, waves. Yeah, we, we were actually watching him this morning. So he was showing me a goal that Pulisic had. Yesterday. Uh, yeah. The left yeah, foot. Just recently. Yeah. yeah, the left foot. Short side. <laughs> yeah, we were watching that. And we were wor actually working on that on the field today. You know, so. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So uh, he likes Pulisic as well. Yeah. Like growing up, I was always a, a Didier Drogba fan. So it was actually cool because he came to Montreal when I was in Montreal. Cool. So I got to meet him and, and go to the games and watch him live. And yeah, I love soccer, man. It's it's such a great sport. Do you when you're out there training? Do you you run around with him? Uh, uh, a little bit, but I'm usually more so coaching him. Um, sometimes we train, and you know, like I said, I set him up on his drills on the things that he needs to do, and I'm usually training uh, a kid, a wide receiver, you know. A uh, couple feet away, you know. Okay. So, um, training one of my friends' uh, kids, and he's pretty pretty talented in football, and uh, working with him. That's awesome, man! You give it back. What yeah, do you, what, try to. What do you like the most about training kids? Um, me, my belief is, you know, you take a kid who, um doesn't have all the physical attributes, but you teach him the basic fundamentals and that kid can go out on the high school field and dominate, but he yeah. doesn't necessarily have to have all the physical tools that you want in a kid. But then you take a kid who has all the physical tools and you teach him right and you teach him the fundamentals. That kid is literally uncoverable on a field. Yeah. You know, he's, so I like that part of it. Um, you know, teaching them the fundamentals at an early age and having them work on those fundamentals. And, uh, you know, and that's kind of what we got going on with a kid right now. I, I expect pretty good things from him. He's fast, big, strong, all those things. But uh, he um, has the will to get better and uh, he wants to get better. So when you start working on when did, you, when did you start training them? Did you did you do it uh, while you played, or is it something no. you've done since you've done? Uh, um, I started training kids, you know, on and off, probably after I started 
uh, once I retired and stuff. So, um, but him specifically, uh, me and his father played together in college and uh, U of A. And so he like, hey, TV, can you train him? I was like, look, and I was like, sure. And so we start working out and uh, yeah. So uh, it's kind of the thing we do. You know, I like working with him. I'll work with him. He's only, uh, him and my son are the same age. They're going okay. into ninth grade. So he'll have three years of uh, high school that I'll be working with him. So That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's, that's so great. Man, yeah, I started actually training in 2008, right after we won the Grey Cup. Mm -hmm. Or I guess it'd be really 2009, spring of 2009, when I started training kids. And Yeah. Man, it's such a blessing. I felt like it helped me so much because it took me back to the basics, right? Just teaching them how to attack a DB and do different things. Uh, do you just do you just train um, receivers or? Yeah, I, I'm just more. Uh, I like to work with receivers. So okay. Um, but uh, I know for me, by the time I got through with football. I hated football <laughs> and <laughs> I did, you know, the, the crazy thing is the only thing I enjoyed was game day. I yeah. hated practicing. I hated the training, you know, but you do those. The necessary evils. Because you know, those, you have to do that. Yes. Um, but I, I truly disliked football. I hated the financial side of football and the business side of football. I really d disgusted me. So, you know, I didn't watch football for, I would say, at least two years, you know, really? and uh, um, my daughter, I took her out to a high school. She asked me to take her to a high, her high school football game, and I took her and watched the game and kind of fell in love with it again, you know, um, and, uh, you know, started watching it slowly but surely again and stuff like that once I was able to get away from the football all together, you know, I start watching, watching college football and professional football again. That's awesome. Yeah. I, it took me back so much. I, just training those kids and one, it kept me young, hanging around a bunch of high school kids all the time. Uh, but I used to train all positions and I, I train off movement, teaching kids how to move. And I feel like that was, that's kind of my thing of how to move. And, you know, you were one of those guys that had great balance, had great skills, and always felt like with great balance and great skills and just putting it together. So I've, I've actually had linemen go play college football, and I have a linebacker right now at Northwestern. I have a receiver and a DB at Alabama, a receiver going to Utah. Nice. And a DB going to um, North Dakota. So okay. had a DB. Um, he graduated from Purdue. So – He's been doing well. So I've had some kids for a while. And, yeah, man, it's just – you just get such a joy. I get more joy watching them do what they do than I really ever did doing what I did. No, I feel you. It's uh, – yeah, I, I can understand that. I can understand that feeling. Um, it's funny. Me and my son always talk. Um, he asked me – he asked me about touchdowns and this and that. And I was like – and I, my – I always tell them, I was like, look, man, I don't remember a lot of the touchdowns and things that I did. The things that stick out in my head, I can still remember some of my drops, you know, the times when I dropped balls or didn't make a play or whatever. And it's, and I was like, that's how I'm wired. 
you know, I don't remember a lot of the successes, but I do remember some of my failures, <laughs> you know, so That's a little crazy. bit more. Yeah. We, we, you know, once you get to that level, that's how you, your mind has to always motivate yourself. Did you watch um, the Michael Jordan Last Dance? Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. You know what? Uh, it gives you an insight into him, uh, what made him tick. I think it's something that we as athletes all can learn from. You know, you, you can learn a lot by just watching that. Um, I think it's something I, I forced my son to watch it. You know, I just think it's something that, you know, and I talk to him in that way. I mean, you need to find something uh, that motivates you. You know, uh, I give an ex and the example that I used for him that was uh, relevant to him was uh, the U.S. national team. They picked the top kids for that training. He would have been picked, but he had uh, broken his ankle, like maybe – two weeks prior, three weeks prior to those kids getting picked. Um, so he didn't get it. He didn't get to go. And I was like, look, you know, there's kids there. There's people there and other kids there that said, you know, you know, he didn't, Zion didn't go. He didn't get picked and he should have been there. Um, and for him, I was like, look, that should be motivation for you. You know, you led San Diego and L.A. in scoring. You know, the closest kid to you was no one was closer within 10 goals of you. Mm. Um, that's how dominant you were. But you didn't even get an invite to the U.S. National Soccer Tryout, you know, whereas you should have been there. Um, you know you should have been there. I know you should have been there. You should have been there, period. So – Again, that's something that you should use for motivation the next time because you're better than a, a lot of those guys that were chosen ahead of you. So, yeah. Um, but that that documentary, um, it was fun to watch, uh, especially when uh, nothing was on TV. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I was never a Chicago Bulls fan, but. I always had to see what Jordan was going. I, I, you always had to watch. Always, had, always to watch. had to see what Mike. I'm a diehard Laker fan. Always have been. Always will be. But I always had to see what Mike was going to do. So yeah. it, it was good. What was your thing? Like mine was competition. I went to as a freshman in college. I had to compete for the first time for a job. Like in high school, small town, uh, four thousand people. Never really had to compete for a job. So when it came to playing, I was just naturally talented. So I just yeah. was better than certain people. But when I went, got to college and I seen people that were equal or not, if not better, then it was like, okay, now I got to compete. And I fell in love with competition, right? Just like, you know, I'll, I'll compete in anything. And that's what, that's what drives me today is, is the competition. But what was your thing? Like, I know you said you hated practice and I did too for a long time until Huff got there. Then Huff changed everything. But, what was your well, thing? Well, let me clarify that practice, hated practice. That was like maybe year seven or eight of my career yeah. playing. Um, up until then, I loved everything about football, everything it had to offer. Okay. Uh, for me, the competition, I loved competition. You know, I, I loved it. Um, I played everything in baseball. I was drafted in baseball twice by the Yankees. Um, uh, 
football. Um, loved, I loved everything about it, the contact, the physical nature of football. Uh, I loved all that it had to offer. Um, but definitely the competing aspect of it. I always felt no matter where I was, once I got an opportunity to get on the field and show what I can do, I win that job. <laughs> that's how. That's how. That's that's yes. how I always. That's how I always felt. Um, when I was with the Cardinals, same thing. Ricky Pearl, Gary Clark, you know, Hall of Famer type receiver, and Gary Clark, Ricky Pearl, you know. Outside of those two, because of what they had accomplished in their careers up to that point, mm -hmm. I know in my heart I was the best receiver on that field, hands down. wasn't even wasn't even a question. And I performed like that on the field. It just for whatever reason didn't work out that way, you know. Um, but uh, Going up against Aeneas Williams, who's a Hall of Fame yeah. defensive back, and when you can spin Aeneas Williams around like a top and, you know, make catches on him, make plays on him, that gives you a lot of confidence that, you know what, oh, oh, I can do this, you yeah. know. So uh, doing it against, you know, guys of that caliber um, consistently, um, let me know. I can play anywhere. It didn't matter where. Um, just so happened my my opportunity or doors opened up for me in Canada more so when, than when I was with the Cardinals. Yeah. Know, so. Well, let's go back to high school or, or it's getting started. What age yeah. did you start playing football? Uh, I remember I was playing in Pop Warner. Um, uh, yeah, I can remember uh, I was a tailback then and you know, uh, awesome. the league the, the league that I played in was on the military base. So the crazy part about it was I could have played in the under nine division and I was nine. I was too talented for that division. So I played in a division from age 10 to 18. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So you had dudes in there with full-grown beards <laughs> playing. How you put a 10-year-old on the field I, with an 18-year-old? I kid you not. Now, uh, I was our starting tailback at nine. And, and I, uh, I think that season, my longest run was maybe about 15 yards. Again, because the age different, you, you know, you're playing against 18-year-olds or what have you. But what it did allow me to do was, you know, I was toughening me up. Um, you have to learn how to compete. Yeah. You know, yeah. They're older than you. They're bigger than you. Okay. You got to use what you got, you know, and I was still able to compete with those guys. Um, but the disparity in age was <laughs> crazy. <laughs> was crazy, you know, um, but I can, uh, you know, those are my first memories of football. What was your favorite sport growing up? Mm. I know you played all of them. Yeah, I did. Uh, I, I love baseball. Football is my, still my first love, ultimately. I, but I did love baseball. 
Um, I love baseball because, you know, my dad liked watching me play baseball. That's the sport that he wanted me to play um, and that he got me into at an early age. Um, and, uh, you know, I played it in high school and uh, played it in college until I got until I tore my ACL and I didn't play anymore. But baseball, you know, I was a pretty good baseball player. Um, and uh, in San Diego, when you're playing in San Diego, um, each week there's there's nothing but scouts at your game with clocks. Yeah, you know, there's so many scouts down there uh, at every high school game in Southern California. There's some there's always some 80 year old, 70 year old scout with a stopwatch in his hand. You know, so uh, um, you're always uh, under the watchful eye of uh, scouts. And, you know, that's kind of um, fun at early, you know, when you're playing at an early age and stuff. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, but I, I did love baseball as a kid. What position? Short? <laughs> no, I was a center fielder. Center fielder. Wow. Yeah, go get it. So I grew up playing shortstop. Yeah. Um, I went from third base to catcher to center field and left field, but mainly center field. I got hit by a pitch. Um, I was playing in my freshman year. I was playing on JV, and uh, yeah, I got hit by a pitch and in the calf muscle, and I was like, I'm done. I went from like I was always bat like first, second, or third in the lineup. Like I was small, but I wasn't. A, I was like five one, one fifteen my freshman year. I used to always just I could get on, but as soon as that got hit by that pitch, by the end of the season, I'm batting eighth and ninth. I was like, my baseball career is done. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. Um, like we we were really good in baseball. Um, we were led four of us: uh, me, Kenya, Jerry, Andrew. We four of us played, but four of us were football players. We all got drafted in baseball, but we were football players first. Um, we were great, just good athletes, you know. And uh, one of only one of the. Two of the four actually uh, signed baseball contracts, you know, minor league deals, and continued the baseball career. The other two of us, uh, you know, went and played football. But uh, um, baseball is one of those sports. If you can run and throw, they can't. They they don't know how to teach you. Uh, they can't teach anybody how to uh, run, yep. and they can't teach anybody how to throw. Their philosophy is uh, they can teach you how to bat. That's their philosophy. Um, and so uh, I could always run and throw and hit. And, you know, I like baseball was cool. I liked it. That's awesome. So then you get into Arizona from, from San Diego or Oceanside. Like, where did you – how did that come about? Did they offer you where you could play both? Or how did you pick Arizona? I, you know what? Um, at that time, the dominant schools in college football were uh, Colorado, University of Washington. Um, those were the dominant programs at that time. Um, I always wanted to go to UW, University of Washington, until I took my trip there. I, my trip was just awful. Uh, <laughs> my recruiting <laughs> trip was awful there. Uh, it rained the whole time I was there. I was in a trench coat the whole time. Um, and I could deal with that part of it. Um, but Coach James, they had uh, 
Derek, I can't think of it, Derek, Derek Lewis or whatever. He was their starting tailback. He was going to the pros. And then they had Ben O'Brien and uh, another running back called uh, Jay Berry. And I asked the coach, say, hey, um, if I'm better than Jay Berry, will I get a chance to play? He was like, no, you got to wait your turn. <laughs> I was like, so, so if I'm better than the guy ahead of me, I can't play? He was like, no, you got to wait your turn. We're trying to build uh, stability in the program. And, and I don't know what he said after that because everything just shut off. It was like, wah, wah, wah. Well, I didn't hear nothing else he had to say after that, you know. So, um, but I, I was recruited by, you know, pretty much everybody in the Pac-10 and, you know, uh, some Big Ten schools and stuff like that. But uh, I wanted to go to a school where I wanted to help them win the Pac-10 title or – you know, I wanted to be on the team or be part of that class that helped them do it. I didn't want to go to a team that's already on top. So at that time, Arizona was like eight and four. Um, they went nine and three the year before that. So they were kind of one of those programs that's trying to take the next step. That was why I chose Arizona ultimately. Okay. Yeah, that's a, and that's not a bad place to play. Yeah. Going down to Arizona and, and being in that atmosphere. I like Arizona because it doesn't really have humidity. It gets hot, yeah. but it don't really have humidity. True. No humidity. Is there more in, in Tucson than because it's closer to uh, like El Paso? It, yeah, it's about six hours from El Paso. Yeah. But Tucson is a, your typical college town. You know, it's about a million people, but a million people's with the, you know, outlining areas is, you know, um, but it's a true definition of a college town. Everything revolves around the university. Great atmosphere to be in. Really is. Great atmosphere to be in. Um, it's kind of a bubble, um, I would say. Um, but I love my time in, in Tucson. It was a great experience. Now, did you get recruited to be a running back or receiver? Or it was a running back. It was a running back, um, but I did get recruited to play baseball there as well. Um, but um, but definitely a receiver or a running back. When I was there, um, the first practice I had as a freshman, um, we were deep at running back. And so our head coach uh, came to me and said, hey, you know, um, we're going to try your receiver today. By the end of the day, by the end of the practice, I was named as the starting receiver. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so that was as a, a true freshman. And at that time, I was the first true freshman to start in the Pac-10 in like 20 years. So that hadn't happened in a while. So, um, yeah. So I started my, as, you know, 18 years old, just out of high school. And, yeah. Do you remember the transition? Because – like I tell people all the time, running backs playing receivers so hard, even the talented ones, because running backs work in small spaces, right? Mm -hmm. So it's shorter steps. Receivers have to elongate their steps. So the faster you can run without taking small steps helps you be a receiver. 
Yeah. But running backs have to work in such small spaces, they don't really have open strides. True. So do you remember that transition from when you went from running back to receiver, and was it natural? Well, catching the ball was natural. Playing baseball, the hand-eye coordination. Yeah. I could catch a football with my eyes closed. That wasn't the problem. Um, now, what was the biggest transition for me was um, – Again, my running back mentality, you know, putting moves, vision. You know, I had the vision, but I had to learn how to incorporate running routes um, with, uh, you know, the moves and stuff like that. So what I got caught in initially was, hell, I'd throw a thousand moves and I hadn't went nowhere yet. <laughs> You know, so, yeah, <laughs> you know, so I had to learn that aspect of running routes, you know. Um, my God-given abilities and meshing that with running routes and, you know, uh, being uh, allowed to be creative in my route running ability. So uh, that's what I worked on. And once I was able to work on that, you know, uh, I was good. You know, you, like I said, you can come press me, you know, press coverage or whatever. That's not going to work against me. You yeah. know, oh, um, I'm too quick for it. Um, but it, my running back skills definitely helped, uh, you know, running routes and stuff like that because the ability to get off the line, get off the jam, you know, I was able to do that right away. You know, so whereas, you know, for receivers, we all know that's uh, uh, the most difficult part of playing a position. You know, when somebody's going to be in your face all day, every day, yeah. and you got to be able to get beat this guy consistently, consistently off the line. Yeah, that's 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 different. That's that's different. Yeah. And a lot of receivers, there's so many different ways it's being taught right now. But it's um. It does make a huge difference when a guy comes up there. But now I don't know if there's a lot of DBs that are super confident to come up there and play press, like especially at these camps. Mm -hmm. right? You go to these camps and uh, you try to get known at a camp. Like I had a receiver I used to train. I think he finished 78th in Texas high school history. And he was probably 5'9", 175 pounds. But his mind and his attitude on competing, he wanted the best DB at the camp. And he would cut in line to go against the best. You know, some people are like, well, I'm trying to look good. I don't want to go against this. Yeah. He's like, well, let me get him. And he used to go out there and sauce him up, right? Mm -hmm. And it was a lot. He was very confident. Uh, but his skills, man, just put it together. His transition game was so great. And, you know, just looking at that, and just thinking about you transitioning over in college and going out there and just being like, okay, you know, the first year it's like, okay, I'm just, I'm just naturally gifted to do it, but then to grow into it because, you know, you start running combo routes, man, that's, that's different too. Yeah. Well, and I know in college they brought me along slowly because like I said, hell, I was just, you know, six months ago I was playing, lining up, in high school, lining up in the backfield, playing high school ball. Um, but uh, they gave, 
gave me things that I could do right away. You know, a dig, a post dig, a dig route. Their whole philosophy was like, hey, once we get this kid the ball in his, once he gets the ball in his hand, he's special. So that's kind of how, you know, they brought me along. And every game, game by game, I got the ball more and more and got opportunities to show what I could do. Um, and, uh, you know, eventually, you know, I was able to, you know, add everything you need as a receiver. But I was always a guy, when I was in the Cardinals camp, I'm stealing from uh, Gary Clark, Ricky Pro. Oh, I can use that right there. I'm going to add that to my game. Oh, yeah, I'm going to grab that too. It's always, my thing is, it's a cat and mouse game. And do what works for you, but you can learn from everybody. You know, I picked things up from a lot of players along the way and incorporated into my game. Was Marte Jenkins with the Cardinals when you were there? No, he wasn't. Um, at the time, the starting receivers was Randall Hill, Ricky Prohl, uh, Gary Clark, but Gary was always hurt. Yeah. Um, uh, Garrison Hurst was there. Um, who was the quarterback? Uh, God, I can think of, I can see his face right now. Um, but it was, uh, you know, I always tried to take things from all those guys, yeah. uh, from all different players. You know, uh, I learned a lot from watching Allen Pitts. You know, Allen should, there's no reason why Allen shouldn't have been in the NFL. Yeah. Size, speed, every, catch the ball, do everything. Um, for whatever reason, he played in the CFL. Um, but I learned a lot from him, and we're two completely different receivers. You know, we are totally different, totally opposite. But I learned a lot from him, watching him, you know, watch his transitions, how smooth he was um, running routes and stuff like that. Um, yeah, you know, uh, I had a lot of you know, fortunately, I played with a lot of good players, and you know, a lot got of great talk, players. A lot, a lot of great players, <laughs> not, not just yeah, good. I say good. I throw good around. You're right, great players. Uh, we're gonna get into that. Well, let's talk about your transition to the Cardinals. Like, when did you when did you believe that you could play pro football? Well, when I was there, you know, I knew I could play. Um, I mean, in college, like when you were in college, oh. did you like, you know, your freshman year college, second year college, what, well, when, at what point well, did you like, you know what, I might, I'm a, I can make a run at this. Well, you know what, it's funny. Uh, my freshman year, I was a freshman All-American. My sophomore year, I was uh, uh, All-Pac-10 uh, return specialist. Um, but that was also year, like towards the end of the year, I tore my ACL. So when I tore my ACL, you know, it kind of brought me back to reality in that, you know, I was like, hey, you know, I'm in college, attending this, you know, attending U of A. Hey, you know what? I better get this degree and quit playing around because, you know, I just tore my ACL. Who knows how this is going to turn out now? So yeah. uh, one thing, it made me refocus on school and make school priority as I work back to come back. Um, and uh, I probably did not get back to myself till 
week six of the of next season you know um mentally the mental hurdle you have to physically i was back but i would catch the ball i basically became a possession receiver i would catch the ball fall down no no run after the catch no really yeah it was it was weird um then we played ucla and i went haywire that game had two catches or two touchdowns about 150 yards that game receiving never looked back after that you know i had fully was healed mentally physically and never really had a problem after that um in terms of play when i uh went to the cardinals um like i said day one i knew i could play and uh in about a four-month period, three or four months, about a four-month period, literally, I dropped three balls in four months. That's how keyed in, tuned in, ready to go I was. Yeah. Um, I was ready to play. And when I got a chance to play, you know, I balled out and played well. Um, but that gave me the confidence doing it. Uh, at that level, uh, I knew I could play. You know, I remember playing against Jackie Callow. Callow's was with Callow's was, Jackie was with uh, the 49ers at that time. Um, yeah, he was in a uh, training camp with the 49ers at that time. But uh, it's, it's funny. Um, it, that gave me the, the, you know, I know I can play. You know, you go, in, you go up against a Hall of Famer and Aeneas Williams, every day yeah and even he's like hey man this dude he he, he he can play um and the crazy thing was we had another person off my from my college who was drafted number two in the draft or he was uh uh drafted in the second round and so i went there as a free agent and when they saw us they was like you must be the second round pick they thought I was the second, <laughs> second round pick. No, nah, really. They thought I was the second round pick because it was like nah, every day he'd go out there and do something every day, you know, uh, in camp. So, um, but no, I was the undrafted free agent. It's crazy because they look at your height, man, and they look at your size. And the NFL is so prototype. Yeah. Right, especially with the draft. Yes. Right, I always say the first round is – Potential. First round's all potential. Like freak athletes that might not ever be better. But then if you look at the second through the fourth round, those are your 10-year vets. Yeah. Those are your better players that that don't put up the freakish numbers at the combine and stuff like that. Yeah. I feel those like those are your, your players. Yeah, those that's are your the heart, players. That's the heart of your team. Yeah. So when you when you go in as an undrafted free agent and, and you're there and you're making plays – did you had ever once sense that you were going to make the team? Oh yeah, I thought I was. I I, I knew one hundred percent I was making the team. And here's the thing: it was one of those things where, through circumstances, things just didn't work out right. Um, last, we were at the uh, we were playing Detroit. Um, got a chance to play against Barry Sanders, which was cool. Awesome. Yeah. Um, 
we were playing against uh, Detroit and Herman Moore. I don't know if you remember Herman Moore. Herman Moore, yes, sir. Six, six foot seven. Well, Herman uh, scored three touchdowns on us that day. And he posterized. He kept posting the knee up, you know. Yeah, he was, he was the high. He was uh, he was the college high jump champion, along with being, and of course, he was six foot seven. I didn't know he was a high um, jump champ. Yeah, he was the high uh, NCAA high jump champion as well. So he uh, scored three touchdowns that day, and Buddy Ryan was really pissed off about it. Rex Ryan, uh, they were ticked off about it, and they was like, "Hey, we got to get us one of those." And he was referring to uh, Herman Moore, yeah, big receiver, because really we didn't. We didn't have any big receivers on Arizona. Ricky Pro was Ricky was about six feet. Gary Clark was five ten. Yeah. Um, he was know, number eighty nine, uh, wasn't he? Yeah. Randall Hill. Randall was garbage. Uh, <laughs> he was fast as. That's that's the best way I can explain it. He was fast as hell, but he was straight garbage. Yeah. Um, we we uh, seen a lot of those, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was straight garbage. Um, and, uh, but they didn't have any size at the receiver. So, um, that happened and for whatever reason, the final cuts or what have you, I didn't make the team. Um, um, yeah. And then, uh, and that's kind of what went down. Have you, had, have you ever heard or watched the CFL before thinking about going there? Nope. No, the the crazy thing was I hadn't watched, I had heard of it, but I've never had watched it. My, this is my introduction to the CFL. One of our offensive linemen was drafted in the CFL. His name was Ed Cousy. Uh, he's played, he got drafted by Edmonton. Now, here's the crazy thing. He came from Canada, came to U of A, got a scholarship at U of A. Ed, uh, he was so bad that they wouldn't, he, he couldn't barely play, uh, they wouldn't let him practice. He was, you know, they, he wasn't that good. You know, he couldn't get, he had a tough time getting on the field. So uh, he came, we were all sitting out in front of the, uh, we were sitting out in the area. Ed came out and said, yeah, man, I got drafted in the CFL. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> He's like, yeah, I got drafted. I got drafted in the CFL in the third round, and I was like, wait a minute. All right, they drafting people who don't even play college football, who barely play college football. How the hell they draft him? You know, because I I didn't understand the ratio and yeah, the Canadian draft, and I didn't understand any of that. I'm like, hold up, man, and yeah, he got drafted in the third round and. And I, 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 that was my introduction to the CFL. And then shortly thereafter, um, I had contact with, uh, uh, I found, my agent found out Calgary had my rights. Okay. Calgary had my rights. And uh, that, you know, I can go up there and play. Yeah, get walking in there. And just seeing the caliber of players that that was there probably changed your perspective a little bit. I mean, 
who's quarterbacks in 95? What, Doug Flutie, Jeff Garcia, Dave Dickinson? Keep going. Keep going. And, okay, we had Doug Flutie, Jeff Garcia, um, Danny Barrett. Yeah. And Dave Dickinson. Then you throw in the next year, Henry Burris. Yeah. So you had five potentially – Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Hall of Fame type quarterbacks all on the roster or within a year or two of each other, you know. But Dave Sapunges, uh, Alan Pitts, Travis Moore. Uh, <laughs> you know, you had some – think about it. You had some great players all on that roster, guys that can flat out play football yes and we only at peewee smith at that time mm -hmm. we only had one receiver spot open now that was my mindset oh once i get on the field that one spot is my spot yeah and you know that's you know kind of what happened you know every day every practice i go out there and ball and do what i needed to do but you know that was my spot Literally, and that's that's how I approached the situation. I don't know how anybody else felt, but that's how I approached the situation. How how was the transition to so. the CFL game, like with the with the motion and the waggle and everything? Did that pretty much come natural to you, or some guys? It takes them a while to pick it up. I'm like, dude, this is not hard. Just <laughs> that, that that's that's what I do, you know. So that catered into a lot of things that I could do, you know, with my lateral movement and stuff like that. You know, um, I started on the outside. Um, and uh, I was on, I was on that wide side of the field. You know, where, man, that ball will never come to you out there, you know, and <laughs> so, but my, again, my mentality was every time the ball comes to me, I got to do something with it. You got to make a play. Yes, and that was always my mentality, even playing way far out there, you know. So as I started to play and balls would come my way, it was like, dang, he caught three or four balls and he got 100 yards. Each ball each ball I caught was, a ch you know, a chunk play. Yeah. And so it was like, wait, okay, well, we got to find a way to get him some ball, <laughs> get him some more balls, get him some more opportunity. So – Every now and then they throw a post in there for me or a post corner from the wide side of the field. They don't they don't do that in the no. CFL. The only, very, <laughs> you know? the only very few quarterbacks can throw it. Yeah. So they don't do that, but they would incorporate that a little bit and you know, like, hey, we gotta get this kid the ball. So that's gotta feel special to go in there with those guys, man, and just did you ever feel like you wanted to prove to them that you belong there? Or was it all just oh, yeah. about you? No, it's all, I always felt like that. You know, um, you want to be accepted by your peers. Yeah. You know, uh, we all want to be accepted by our peers. And, and you know, um, so you work hard. Um, you know, I saw, I saw what Alan would do and how he would work. And, you know, I took my cue from him. Hell, if he can do it, shit, I can do it too. You know, um, and never, my thing was never resting on my, having a short memory. 
what I did last week don't matter. Yeah. You know, what I did last month don't matter. You know, I got to continuously perform week in, week out, week in, week out. And uh, that was just my mentality. Short memory, uh, keep playing. You know, uh, I always had the uh, mentality that as long, if I'm out on the field, I'm going to make plays. Yeah. Period. That's, that's, that's my thought process. I know I, I can play. I'm confident in my abilities. Um, yeah. It's, it's, you know, and it's so crazy because, you know, we, I see receivers. Some guys are the main attraction, right? The number one guy on the team and the number two guy is so far behind him. You know, but being in Calgary, dude, it's always stacked. Like, you're always stacked with, yeah. with top guys and you're doing things. And you coming in, fitting in, like you said, Alan Pitts, if not the greatest one of the greatest, um, yep. Dave Sapungis and, and all those guys, Travis Moore, who should be a Hall of Famer, yep. right? All those guys that are there and you'd come in and fit in and not get 1,000-yard seasons, but stack four in a row. How did you move to Edmonton after that? What happened? What made – what shit on the parade – well, here's the thing. This is what I knew. So I came in a year before Travis, a year before Kelvin Anderson, uh, a year before Jeff got to play. Uh, uh, you know, so Jeff got to play my year. So all it was about seven or eight guys, nine guys, who of the nine guys, we all were all stars, and most of those guys were at the same had the same contract. I was already making more money than them. And so I knew I was going to get my next contract. I'm going to get boosted up to a different level. Whereas all those other guys, they're all going to get boosted up at the same level, you know, yeah. across the, across the board. So I kind of saw the writing on the wall that, you know, I'm not going to get paid what I'm, what I should get paid here because there's too many guys that got to get paid right now. It was just too many guys. Um, I had a contract in hand. I'm going to Saskatchewan. Uh, I get a call from Hugh Campbell. Uh, he was like, hey, uh, Terry, let me, you know, in his soft voice, let me, let me, I know you're going to Saskatchewan. Uh, I need you to come here and see me uh, before you, you go. Well, I never made it to Saskatchewan, and I never – a couple hours later, I was doing an interview uh, <laughs> in Edmonton. <laughs> Joining another yeah. all-star cast. So, and, you know, and even then, uh, when I think about it, we were uh, – we got a kid, McCorvey, uh -huh. who was sneaky good. Uh, Kez McCorvey, uh, did Jason come that year? Tucker. Jason Tucker was there, Ed Hervey. Uh, and Ed. Now, Ed was in – Ed wasn't the Ed Hervey that we came to know. Ed was transitioning. Ed was so fast that no one thought, hey, maybe we should teach this guy how to run routes. You know, um, 
And once we got Ed on that program on how to run routes and how to incorporate his speed and stuff, you saw what type of player he became, you know, but no one really spent, no one really spent time with Ed to show him the way, how to be a receiver, how to run routes, how to use your speed to your advantage. You know, they basically said, hey, run a post, run the street. And that's all they ever taught them. Yeah. You know, I've, we played against each other in college at SC. That's all they would send them on was a nine or cl- have them clearing out. But they never really taught them how to play the position. Uh, Ed was keen on learning how to play receiver. And once he was able to learn how to play receiver, hey, uh, he was a force. Um, yeah. But we uh, – we kind of jailed around each other. You know, I'm a big proponent of um, there's a lot of guys who play receiver who want to be the guy, but can't be the guy. Yeah. You know, when they're, when it's their time to be the guy, they feel miserable. Yeah. Um, when I came to Edmonton, it was my time to be the guy. I had been in Calgary for four years you know, fresh off a great cup win. Yes, fresh off a great cup win. I I'd always been a side note to Alan Pitts, Sapunjas, uh, Vince Danielson. You know, yeah. um, so it was my opportunity to see if I could uh, be the number one guy, and I understood that. Um, and now I'm going to be playing the slot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, think about it. All this took place. I hadn't played the slot. Mm. You know, I still hadn't played the slot. Now you give me, oh, you gave me a two-way go? I, oh, I, oh I, I'm going to be dangerous now. You can't stop me now. You give me a two-way go? Um, and then things kind of worked out for me, you know, playing the slot position, and, and things kind of took off for me. And uh, we were able to incorporate uh, a really good core, receiving core, a good group of guys. And, uh, and we all played off of each other. You know, I'm nev- I've never been a guy that bitches and complains about not getting the ball. Long as we're winning, I'm okay. The only time I would complain about not getting the ball is when, okay, hey, we need to start – getting first downs and getting us going. I need the ball right now. Give me the ball, ball so we can so we can get us going, so I can get the engine going. Once we get the engine going, we can incorporate everybody. Yes. You know, um, otherwise, if other guys were making plays, if Jason was making plays, Ed was making her plays, Kez or whoever, oh, I'm cool. We're moving the ball. We're putting the ball in the end zone. We're scoring balls. We're blocking, moving ball. I'm, I'm, I'm great. I'm yep. always great. You know, so uh, that's kind of always been my persona. Um, I was never, I was always a team guy, you know, team first guy. Um, and uh, uh, I, I, that's always worked for me. Yeah. I'm, I was always a team guy too. I, I think a lot of people thought I was a bad teammate because of what I would say in the media, just how I like acted sometimes, but, it was all a, it was all like a character I'd built, but mm-hmm. in the locker room, everybody knew me and, and everything. And everybody knows that I'm the first one to, that's ready to block for my teammates. It's ready to, you know, I'll run a clear out. 
faster than I run any other route because I understand the importance of it. Yeah. You know, so, but I'm with you on that. You know, I've never, I don't think I've ever complained about getting the ball when we were winning. Yeah. It's just when you're losing and you know, you can make a play, yeah. like give me a, give me an opportunity to go make a play. Yes. Like let's, let's yeah. go get this. And um, I think Dave understood that with me. And there was sometimes if we didn't get a first down, like three or four drives and, um, it'd be second down. He'd be like, I'm going to put you in the flat. Just get the ball to him and, and make it happen. Like, so, yeah. and, and, and speaking of that, like the yak yards, you were known for the yak yards because when I came in the league, it was like, okay, you're just like Terry Vaughn. You can break tackles. You can run after the catch. Do you attribute all that to growing up as a running back all your life? I was the biggest Walter Payton fan there was. Walter Payton, Barry Sanders. I was their biggest fans. So uh, everything for me, football was, hell, what are you supposed to do with the ball when you catch it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm trying to score. I'm trying to get in the end zone. Yeah. You know, that uh, was my mentality. Um, and that mentality played out on the field. Um, and when I think back on it, um, maybe sometimes to my detriment, there's a lot of hits that I've taken over my career that I probably should have stepped out of bounds or shouldn't have took that hit. And I probably could have played a couple extra years because the accumulation of those hits over the years. Um, but that was, as a running back, you don't go down. Yeah. You're not supposed to go down. And that's how I played the receiver position. I did not go down. That was not my makeup, you know. So, um, you know, uh, that's just who I am as a player. That's the side of me that loves the physical nature of the game, uh, the ability to uh, take punishment as well as give it. Yeah. So you're saying yours was all just grit and hard work and just a mentality. And hell, I'm five nine, low to the ground, low center of gravity. Uh, and because you used to face up on them. Oh yeah, you used to yeah. turn, you used to catch face up on them. <laughs> yeah, but my 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 low center of, of, of gravity. I'm going to break tackles. Guys are going to bounce off me, but again. I've been this size all my life. So I know how to maneuver my body and do things to make guys just fly off and, 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 and do those things. And, and it's one of those things that's kind of a, a, an innate ability. Everybody can't do it, yeah. you know, type thing. You know, you look at Barry Sanders and you look at the things that he does. There hasn't been too many guys that have come along that can do the things he, he does. But you look at the combination of how he's built and put together, um, and, you know, everybody can't do that. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I had that running back thing to where I could slip tackles and, you know, the lateral movement, you know, it's, it's hard to do that, you know, uh, to have that lateral ability. And I had that lateral ability. You know, that was, you know, I ran a 3-9-3 shuttle. You know, um, I could do that. 
you know, so I had that elite quality. That, Shifty. Yeah, that shiftiness, to whatever you want to call it, I had that. See, that's special. That's special. You, you're so gifted and special. I broke, I had to break it down. I broke it down into, like, I'm a, I'm a thinker. Right, I always thought my way through games. I always thought, thought my way through routes and, and different things. I wouldn't, like, as I'm actually running, but just how I'm going to attack you before the play starts. And mm-hmm. everything was really, for me, it was always, I have to outthink you. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't always feel like I was the most talented guy on the field. You know, uh, but it was one of those things where I knew – if a guy goes to tackle me and his arms go out, if I break the cushion before he does, mm-hmm. his arms aren't ready to tackle me. Yeah. Right? So then I can get up out of it. So I used a lot of the balance. And I used to watch you a lot. And, and I watched pinball a lot. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, my guys, like, for me coming into the league, uh, seeing G-Roy, young G-Roy, seeing Milt, seeing you. Because everybody compared me to you so much in Calgary. Mm-hmm. Right, so I guess it would be what five years after you had left Calgary, uh, your last year in Edmonton. So it was a, oh man, we got this guy out here breaking tackles. You just like Terry Vaughn. You put the ball in Terry Vaughn's hand, he can run it like this and and do those things. And so that was always special for me, and that's what mm-hmm. put me on that level, man. That like you said, when you take things from people, you're just a collection of other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why, like, when Kobe says, well, there's no Kobe Bryant without Jordan, right? There's no me without you and these mm-hmm. other guys that I could take parts of their game and, and be a part of that and to go out there and try to display. So I appreciate you for that, man, and, and displaying all your talents. Thank you. Going to Montreal from Edmonton, 2005, what was that? Like, was it time to leave Edmonton? You know what? For me, that was more of a kick in the gut um, because that last year, I played this the whole season pretty much on a bum bum knee. So um, I had to get my knee clean, scoped, or whatever, and uh, so. I think I probably got in the end zone that year twice. Still had a thousand yards or whatever, and still make big. Plays. Oh yeah, that was the guaranteed pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> still, still made big plays. Uh, but you know, I was physically ailing, you know, for much of the season, and so they traded me, and uh, so that was kind of. Uh, I, I wasn't expecting the trade, quite honestly. You remember who you got uh, traded for? Uh, James Loftus. Oh wow! So yeah, and a box of and a roll of tape. So, <laughs> <laughs> so and I think James helped the Canadian ratio or something of that nature. It's whatever. Um, but it was James Loftus. So I was like, okay, and they wanted. Uh, Travis Gaylor to, it was like, well, I'm holding him back. Okay. So um, I have the scope, get my knee cleaned out. Everything 
starts all horribly wrong in Montreal. When I go to camp there, uh, my big toes, both of them, both nails had to get pulled. Mm. Uh, uh, the first day of practice, I rolled my ankle. Both nails had to get pulled. And so I did not practice with Anthony Cavillo at all. Uh, the first game I'm down, I'm scratched for the first game. The second week, uh, we are playing Ottawa. We're playing Ottawa. So me and AC haven't really had a whole lot of practice time or anything. First game, I go in a, I don't know, I had about 10 catches for about 170 yards or whatever. And that's two veteran guys, not a whole lot of practice between us, just making plays. And, you know, we it, we jumped out on them like 35-7 or something ridiculous. And I think we ended up went, losing the game 42-43. to 43. Something, oh. it went into overtime. Yeah, it was a wild game. Um, point is, um, I felt that uh, on me, I th I put a lot of pressure on myself. So I felt there was pressure for me to perform. They're expecting a lot out of me. Um, I'm expecting a lot out of me. Um, and I delivered. Um, but I tell you what, I, I had nearly 1,200 yards that year. And that was probably the easy, easiest 1,200 yards I've ever had. Was that because of AC? Because you, you had another yeah. great receiving core, Ben yeah. Cajon, K.Y. Yeah, it, but it was because AC, the offense, and the way they ran their offense and stuff, it was, it was, it was easy. It really was. It was easy. Um, I, and I always say that was the easiest 1,200 yards you know, that I've ever got, you know, I scored about eight or nine touchdowns or whatever it was, but it was, it was cake. But for me, it was vindication for Edmonton letting me go. I'm have I had way more yards than Trevor Gaylor, way, way more touchdown, outperformed everything he did. And my thing was, you knew I was injured. I still performed and you let me go. So I had some feelings about that. Yeah. Uh, definitely, I had some motivation about that. You know, that was easy motivation, you know, to go out there and perform. When was your 275-yard game? We played Winnipeg. Uh, um, and I oh, think that's a that smile. Was that's a smile yeah. right there. <laughs> but check it out. The, the crazy He's like, thing. ooh. Yeah, crazy thing. Here's the thing. I got uh, three dudes cut that game after that game. They they three. cut three guys. Yeah, three dudes. They cut three guys after that game. Who? What team were you with? Huh? What team were you with at the time? Was you at Edmonton or? I was, I was with Edmonton, and I was Nelon at quarterback. But here's, here's the crazy part about that game. I had one catch for 10 yards in the first half. That was all in the second half. You had 265 in the second half? Second half. That's all in the second half. I only had one catch in the first half. 
Yeah. How many catches you end up with that game? It was ten. I had ten. Um, but Play with Mookie Mitchell yeah, too. God, you know, tall. <laughs> yeah, that was all in the second half. Second half of the game, and they were doing something. They were playing like a match coverage or what have you, and um, Nilan, me and Nilan was like, "Look, dude, I'm going to the corner. Just put some air up on it. I will get it." Just he's sitting down there. Just throw it to the corner, and we caught him on a couple of those plays. Caught him in that match defense, and. You know, I kept burning them every time. Whereas in the first half, they were winning. You know, and the second half, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to hammer it. I'm going to stutter them like I'm going to curl up in front of his face. Nah, I'm going to that corner. And uh, we start hitting them on that and uh, got them out of it. And at that, once we got them out of it, it was pretty easy at that point. You know, but all that was done – literally in the second half of the football game. I had one catch in the first half for 10 yards. That's so crazy. Yeah, that's the crazy part about that game that I remember, you know. So um, yeah. Yeah. I I just look at that like 275. That's it. Like, that's going ham on somebody. Like, to go out there and put up two and put up two sixty five in the second half. Yeah. I mean, they can't yeah. really double like cause you had too many receivers around you. Can't double you. Um, you you got too many guys around you. Mookie, J Tuck, her. Yeah. Yeah. Got too many guys around us. And uh yeah, we 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 gave it to them. Um that was a fun game. That was a fun night, actually. That was that was a fun night. I just remember in the first half being frustrated just because there was a lot of things there to take advantage of and we weren't taking advantage of, you know. Yeah. So, you know, and in the second half, we were able to capitalize on what they were doing and take advantage of, of what they were doing. You know, the offensive line was able to give a, just that extra fraction of a second so Neilan can get that ball away, take the hit, as he's throwing it, getting yep. it away, you know. So, you know, everything has to work per perfectly for that to happen. 11 straight 1,000-yard seasons. Your last year in the league, you go to Hamilton. That what was a 1,000-yard season. Huh? That was a 1,000-yard season. Was it? No, what I mean is what I did on the field, that was a 1,000-yard season. Oh, okay, yeah. Now – my quarterback play wasn't a thousand. My quarterback play, I didn't have good quarterback play. You know, there's a lot of plays that I remember over that year. I mean, plays where I would beat somebody, maybe, you know, that you beat somebody by five yards and you running and they overthrow you by five yards. Yeah. You know, plays, there were so many plays like that that year that it was, it was just, I hated football. It was frustrating. Yeah. Um, it was very frustrating. And uh, that was the first year that I didn't have uh, a good quarterback play. You know, we had maybe four or five guys shuffled in and out, but we just didn't have a consistent quarterback play. And you had some guys on the team that were 
me first guys that did 2007 2006 yeah six um yeah well guys were me first guys and you know it, it that the whole team chemistry wasn't good it wasn't good you had all offensive coaches defensive coaches backstabbing the head coach and all kind of crap was going on um and so it's it's no wonder we play so poorly at times on the field yeah how'd you feel personally though like because i know like for me i had personal i wanted to catch you i got i've got nine straight my first nine Mm -hmm. just like your first 11 and Mm -hmm. i felt like i owed it to you know, the people compared me to you so much that it was like, yeah, I guess it was meant for me to chase you like this. Mm-hmm. Right. And then when I broke my leg in the middle of uh, 13, it, it was like, that was the first year I didn't get it. Yeah. And then it was kind of like, there's some, it was like a relief, but I was still in, in my career. Like you in your last year, how do you feel about not getting it in that last year? Well, in my heart and the plays and the plays I um, – the near-missed plays and stuff like that, that was a 1,000-yard season. I, I did enough to have a 1,000-yard season. I know that as a player. I know that as – you know, I know football. I know yep. that was a 1,000-yard season. Um, I just didn't have quarterback play. Um, and it's it's one of those things where, you know, I played 18 games or however many games we played. I was out there week in, week out. Um, it's just that our quarterback situation was a revolving door. Yeah. And we had, you know, coach issues. You know, coaches backstabbing the head coach, and you know we swapped head coaches. Coach head coach got fired. The general manager comes out of the box to be the head coach. You know, we had all kind of stuff going on like I've that. I've been there. <laughs> yeah, you know, but that was honestly that's the first time I'd ever dealt with anything like that. You know, um, so from that standpoint, uh, that was all new to me. Uh, um, the selfishness of players that was new you know I, i'm of the belief that you know we all need to work together you know i'm gonna you know uh there's things that i do that we need to capitalize on i know if i run this route i'm going to take two or three guys with me which is going to leave this uh curl or this in route behind me you're going to be wide open mm-hmm. you know uh that's how you play, get other guys open, stuff like that. But you had a lot of guys who were selfish at that time. And uh, the whole thing just did not uh, play well on the field either. I got a couple more questions for you. I'm going to put you on the spot. (laughs) Top five receivers you played with? Alan Pitts. And this is in no particular order. Alan Pitts, um, Jason Tucker. Jason is sneaky good. Jason, hey, 
He, did, he didn't even stick a corner route. <laughs> he never <laughs> stuck the corner. He just outrun you to the corner. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jason was Jason was sneaky good. Yeah. Uh, Jason came up big in a lot of big games for us. Uh, uh, ben Cahoon. Ben's a player. He can ball. I, I like him. I like his the way he plays, the way he works. I like everything about his game. Um, Ed Hervey. And the reason I picked Ed because um, he is the definition of someone who worked at his craft and then improved himself. Yeah, from a track guy to a receiver. Yes, he's one of those guys that worked on his craft and then improved on his craft. Yeah. And made himself into – he made himself into a good receiver, you know. Mm. And that was fun to watch and see it on a daily basis and and see the uh, success he had, you know. So that was that was really cool to watch. Um, and you're saying the guys that I played with, yeah, played with that you suited okay. up with. Because okay. now, now we we still got we still got Mookie, we got we got Sapons, we got Travis got Moore, Trevor. Travis I, Moore. I, I, I I think I would have to go with uh, Travis because I know Moore. I I know you know he he's mentally he's like me. You know, yeah. he, he, he's a grinder. Um, you know, he's going to go out there and get it. You know, he, he's uh, – I, I like that about him, his, you know, his game and stuff. You know, he's physical. And out of all these guys, I think, you know, I think of all these guys as being physical receivers. Ben's a physical guy. Ed's mm. a, definitely a physical guy. Travis is a physical guy. Uh, probably the only physical guy is Allen. He's not overly physical. Yeah, he was finesse. <laughs> he was finesse. Now, <laughs> this, this is, now this is one thing about Allen. I'll never forget this till the day I till the day I die. I've seen Allen catch an in route. He caught the ball. He thought he was going to get hit by the safety, so he slid. No one was within five yards, six, ten yards. I remember this play. Allen jumps up, run, runs again, and then slides again as soon as contact <laughs> came. And I never forget <laughs> that. It was hilarious. I'd never seen that before. I'm like, what the hell is he doing? You know, but Allen did it a different way. So uh, is that the five? I give you five. That's five. You had you had Jason Tucker. Alan Pitts, Ed Hervey, Ben Cahoon, Travis Moore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. Two, two Edmonton, one Montreal. Yeah. Now, the guys that I liked that I never got a chance to play with, I always had a affinity for Milk. Milk, yeah. And I always had an affinity for G. Roy. Yeah. See, people don't remember G. Roy when he was in Winnipeg. Yeah. And a lot of people don't remember that. And I remember I would talk to him all the time and he they wouldn't give him the ball. 
And I was just like, how the hell you don't get Yeah, Robert Gordon, Boy, Emil, yeah, Charles Roberts and man, that that team was yeah. too. Yeah. But how but you know, my thing is how you don't get G Roy, he has to go somewhere else. And when he goes to BC, he becomes the he becomes that guy. Yeah. You know, he the becomes best. that he G Roy basically becomes that guy that has all the records. Yeah. But you had him in your camp, you had him on your team, and <laughs> you can get you let him. you didn't you didn't get it give it to him. So same thing, you know. same thing about you though. I think yeah, I think but, that's part of the reason I stayed in Calgary so long is they like we can't let another tra- uh, Jerry Vaughn get away like we can't I, we can't let yeah, this happen. I, and I understand. And in, me, Wally always says, you know, that was the he always said was the biggest mistake he ever made. And I get it and I understand it. Um, but I also understood the financial implications behind it as well. Um, you know, and I kind of saw that. You know. You know how you you play and you see things, and then sometimes everything is just crystal clear and it makes sense. Yep. That's how that situation was. That's how it played out. You had nine guys who were all stars. Eight, seven, or eight of those guys were making entry level contracts, and they're all going to get bumped up to the next level, whatever that was. And but you had one guy who was making more, and so I had to get bumped up as well it's more than likely I'm going to have to get bumped up somewhere else besides Calgary, you know, so that's kind of how it went down, uh, how it worked out. But, uh, um, you know, I didn't want to leave Calgary, but, you know, I'm smart enough to know and read the situation as well. Yeah. And I I think, I think I could have got more money on the open market, at least having them, but I think I was just so secure with it and, I never thought I'd be a professional athlete, man. And then going mm-hmm. to do what I did is pretty awesome. Yeah, you were a great player. I mean, um, again, I watch guys. I watch you. You know, I watch Milt. I watch G. Roy. You know, I watch the guys on my my own team. You know, perform. And you know, you have uh, you had that quality about yourself where, you know, you were known as a guy who could make plays and stuff. And um, you were part of that group that we're in. Yeah. You know, you were part of that group, you know. Uh, and, uh, again, everybody's can't be the guy uh, um, until they're that guy. You know, until you actually get that opportunity to be the guy, you never know if you can be that guy. Like, um, if Ed was on a team and he had to be the main guy, could he have done it? Don't know. Yeah. Tucker, we don't know. Yeah. Mookie, he's done it. Yeah, he did in Toronto. He's been that guy. Yeah. You know, um, so it's it's um, we've all – had that opportunity. You've had that opportunity to be the guy. Yeah. And, uh, and you su- succeeded at it, you know, and, uh, you know, so you. Division two walk on baby. Huh? I'm a division two walk on. <laughs> and, and, and here's the thing. That's even more impressive. You know, football is an 
inexact science. You know, I like, uh, what's the kid that plays for Minnesota? Thielen. Thielen, yeah, Adam Thielen. So, only, you know how he got into the NFL? He, 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 he went to an NFL, he went to Minnesota's, uh, tri, uh, tr it was a tryout. He paid his $95 to try out for them just so he can go to training camp. That dude's a stud, man. D2 guy, and he is a baller. <laughs> yeah, he is. You know, he's a baller. So football is an inexact science. Um, it is definitely the one sport that uh, if you have heart and determination and you're willing to work, and first off, you got to be tough as, tough as hell. Um, um, if you're willing to do that and, and you have those qualities, uh, you can succeed in football. You know, it's, uh, you can't judge a man's character or heart, uh, you know, what what someone else has been through. Yeah. Top three quarterbacks. <laughs> you got Ricky, AC, Dave, Flutie, Garcia, Hank. Ricky, you know what? You want to know who is sneaky good? Ricky Way. Ricky Ray. Bad dude. Ricky's nice. Everybody nice be getting one-handed catch with Rick because he be throwing those pillows. Oh, Rick, Ricky, he's just, he's, Ricky Ray is, um, I would say, I'm, I'm going to go with, uh, I'll go with Jeff Garcia. Mm -hmm. um, then I'll go with Ricky Ray. Ooh, I'm on the and edge of my seat right now. <laughs> I, I gotta, and I only have one year with Flutie, so I'm not going to put Doug on there because I only have one year with Doug. Great player, no doubt. But I have to go with AC. I have to give AC some love. Like I said, that 1,200 yards was the easiest 1,200 yards ever. You know, um, but that offense, the way it ran, it was precision. You know, yeah. real precision, receivers, the routes, everything, and he made it go. Um, so those those three, um, you know, I um, honorable mention to Henry Burris, uh, Dave, <laughs> Dave. <laughs> You know, I like those dudes, no doubt. Hey, man, yeah. look, that's a tough – Which that I bet that list was harder than the receiver list. Yeah, definitely. Putting three definitely. of those guys is probably a lot harder. Definitely. Um, but, you know what, I won with Jeff. I won one with Ricky. And I went to one with AC. Yeah. So, you know, uh, yeah, that's more of a – that's a more difficult list. Man, we could do this all day. I appreciate you coming through. Can you just leave them with one gym? Consistency. Any athletes listening to this, or even people just in life, with going through life and trying to get to where they want to go, you talk about the importance of consistency and how it, it benefited you and, and, and just the overall need for it. I think that, you know, I, uh, I pride myself on 
being humble as a player, as a person. Um, you know, Nick, you were a great player. I say that to you, so you, you don't have to say it. Um, you know, fortunately, I've had enough people who said that about me to where I did not have to say that uh, or put that out there. Um, so humbleness is one. Consistency uh, is something that, you know, we all fall down uh, at times in our life, you know, but we do, you know, we got to get back up, um, dust yourself off and keep it moving, you know, um, and start all over and, you know, keep it moving. I, consistency is big. It was uh, big on the football field. Um, it's big in life. Um, you've had that uh, experience of playing football and the things that it's taught you in your everyday life. You know, I have so many uh, stories and experiences that, you know, I pass on to my son and um, just from football. Football is a great game. It teaches you a lot about life. You know, yeah. one thing about football, football is not fair. No. It's not a fair sport. Uh, life is not fair. You know, things are not going to always go your way. Um, you have to, uh, in football, you deal with a lot of adversity as a player. And life, in life, is no different. You got to be able to deal with adversity and work your way through it. That's what it. That's what our great game teaches. You know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll leave you with that. Man, that's awesome. You got any social media? I don't do social media that much. You know, I. Be- you know, I barely do Facebook. The only time I do it uh, mainly is to keep in contact with family. And so, um, you know, every now and then I do uh, catch up with you or come across a few people. Um, but it's usually mainly to keep in contact with family on the West, on the East Coast and stuff. Yeah, I, I remember when they put you in the Ring of Honor in Calgary and, and you were out there in the car and we're coming out of halftime like, that's special, man. I, you know, I really look up to you guys. You're a legend. You know, you've done Thank so you. much, and um, definitely this is going to help so many athletes. Um, Sweet. And just you, you know, with what you're doing with your son to see the pride and the and the passion that you're displaying and pouring into him, and I wish him nothing but the best. And you know, it's, it's such a it's such a funny thing that we all go on these journeys and we all do these things in life and how we're all so connected. Yeah, you're right. absolutely right. We're all so connected. And um, I feel like it's my responsibility um, to try to share some of these stories and some of these great times and, and these great things. It's not just a, a five minute, how are you doing? But, you know, kind of relive everything. I mean looking back on a hall of fame career and, and just all those different times, the 275 yard game. And I don't even know when was the last time you talked about that. Well, it's funny. I haven't. Right. I haven't, you know, I don't, you know, so that was, that was a, uh, this was awesome. It really was. Um, Because I, I, I I don't necessarily forget, but it's, uh, it's, 
you know, you have different things uh, going on in your life, kids, wife, life. Yeah. Um, but it is it's good to take time out and say, hey, wow, I actually did that. That was, that was kind of cool. Yeah, that's really cool because, like you said, without you guys, man, there is no me. And I'm glad I had you guys to, to try to steal some of you, what you did to, to make myself better. And uh, I appreciate your time. appreciate you coming on. And if you have any last words to anybody out uh, there. I would just like to say I appreciate you having me. Uh, what you're doing is great. Continue doing it. Uh, continue working with uh, young players, uh, getting the best out of them. Uh, I'm going to continue doing the same thing, uh, working with young players. Um, you have a career to be proud of yourself, yeah. you know, and uh, you have a lot, of, a lot of knowledge and uh, keep passing it on. I'm going to do the same. Appreciate it, brother. All right, man. another edition of the Lulu Logic Podcast, and we out. We out. <laughs>